Welcome to Man to Man Podcast. Before we begin our episode, we gotta shout out Anchor for making this podcast even possible. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free, easy to use for recording and uploading your episodes, and the best part, they distribute the podcast for you so you can be heard on places like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. It also allows you to make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast, all in one place. So download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Man to Man. This is your co-host, Andy Elliott. Alongside your co-host, Liam, the Hoop Star Nash. So before we get into this episode, guys, we want to continue to pay homage and acknowledge all the lives that were lost Sunday morning. Alyssa Altabelli, John Altabelli, Carrie Altabelli, Peyton Chester, Sarah Chester, Christina Mauser, Ara Zohayan, Gianna Bryant, Kobe Bryant, along with their respected family members and loved ones. As Liam and I mourn with everyone else, we also feel like we are a part of the NBA community as fans. So we would like to take this time to allow an eight-second moment of silence for the late Kobe Bryant and his daughter. With this week's episode, we'll continue to talk about Bryant and the many stories that he left behind for all of us to remember. We'll go into Bryant's last game being re-aired on ESPN Monday night, jersey numbers being changed, and the Lakers finally taking step back onto the basketball court, and much more. So stay tuned as we dive into episode 12 of Man to Man. Monday morning comes around and still seems so surreal. Everyone is still so shocked. It's one of the most quiet Mondays we've ever seen. The use of murals as a public expression of grief is not unfamiliar to the LA community, with last year's murals commemorating rapper and activist Nipsey Hussle. We'll post these different murals on our Instagram page to show you guys how cool some of the street art is, but there are tons and tons of new art on the walls, and uh, it's just incredible to see this whole community and city come together as a whole. It was really cool to see, just like you said, everybody coming together outside of Staples Center. People were there from morning till night, signing big posters, you know, just showing their love for Kobe Bryant. And then we see on Monday night on ESPN, we get to see Kobe Bryant's last game as a Laker in Staples Center against the Jazz. There were 19,000 people. It was a sold out game, of course. And along with the 19,000 people that were there at their arena, there was also 5.2 million people watching on TV as Kobe Bryant says goodbye to the NBA. So during the game, you know, the Lakers were down the entire game. They didn't score their first points until seven minutes into the first quarter. And after the game, he did admit that he was feeling nervous just because it was his final game. But until later in the game, Kobe Bryant scored 13 unanswered points. And that is when the shift changed. And he went into his mode that he goes into. He finishes with 60 points on 50 shots, which a lot of NBA players do shoot the ball a lot. I mean, we got James Harden and Russell Westbrook and Stephen Curry, but nobody has taken 50 shots. And the only person that came close was Jordan. We saw after the game when he was addressing the LA crowd and the fan base of Laker Nation. He said, everybody was telling me for years to pass the ball, pass the ball. And tonight they said, keep shooting, shoot it, shoot it. 
and he scored 60 points. It was just a, a great game to watch. And then the next night was even more special as the crew of NBA TV on TNT kind of just, you know, sat there in Staples Center and just idolized and remembered Kobe Bryant as a player, as a dad, and all the things that he was doing off the court as well. They brought in many, many people like Dwayne Wade, Reggie Miller, Jerry West, Steve Nash. It was a whole bunch of people that just came in and shared their memories about Kobe Bryant as a whole. What was really touching for me was seeing Shaquille O'Neal sit there and tell his story about losing his sister. And then from there, the tears started to flow and it was a really touching moment. And on the same note, it was the first time that the tragic events that had happened really sunk in for me and became a reality that Kobe Bryant has passed away. Without me saying anything else, I think we should all just listen to what Shaquille O'Neal said about remembering Kobe Bryant. Shaq, you're the first guy I thought of when I heard this news the other day. Of course, I talked to you and Charles and Kenny later that afternoon, but <clears throat> then I saw that you had gotten a text from Kobe that morning, or Sharif had gotten one. What, um, how do you, how have you been over the last 48 hours, man? Well, as you know, it's already been the last couple months been really tough. Uh, lost my little sister. Haven't been sleeping. Haven't been doing the normal things I usually do. I work, we laugh, we kid, we joke. When I get back home and look at reality and say she's gone, it was just hurts. So the other day I'm downstairs working out with my son is Shakir, my nephew Columbus, and my other nephew comes in crying, and he shows me his phone. And I snapped at him. I said, man, get that out of my face. Just get it away from me. You know, we live in a world where anything could be photoshopped, anything could be hoaxed. I didn't want to believe it. And then I got the call from you, Charles, Kenny, Everybody called me, and then we found out it was confirmed. And haven't felt the pain that sharp in a while. 47 years old, uh, two, lost two grandmothers, lost a Sarge, lost my sister, and now I lost a little brother. I don't think anybody could have said it any better than Shaq. Obviously, it was such a touching moment where... You know, he choked up and he couldn't talk. And Ernie Johnson's like, you know what? I'll try to save you some words here and switch it over to D-Wade. And then Shaq's like, I'm not finished, man. So that was, you know, that's a brother to him. It was touching to me. Made me tear up a little bit. I haven't even met Kobe Bryant. And that's the thing. That's He's just such an icon. Even if you didn't like basketball, people feel that emptiness as a whole. And, you know, Shaq, man, it's tough to watch. He's talking about how he hasn't eaten and it's probably just going to continue for him. So prayers to Shaquille and his family and everyone else who had a, a deep love for Kobe Bryant as a brother, as a family member, or anything else. We're going to go into LeBron finally speaking out on IG about Bryant's death. I know it took him a couple days. Everyone's waiting for it. I don't even think the moment was right when he spoke out on IG, but obviously this is a, a PR thing that he had to do. I'm just going to go read it. I'm not ready, but here I go, he says. 
man, I'm sitting here trying to write something for this post, but every time I try, I begin crying again, just thinking about you, Nish Gigi, and the friendship slash bond slash brotherhood that we had. I literally just heard your voice Sunday morning before I left Philly to head back to LA. Didn't think for one bit in a million years that would be the last conversation we'd have. I'm heartbroken and devastated, my brother. Man, I love you, big bro. My heart goes out to Vanessa and the kids, and I promise you I'll continue your legacy, man. You mean so much to all of us here, especially Laker Nation, and it's my responsibility to put this on my back and keep it going. Please give me the strength from the heavens above and watch over me. I got us here. There's so much more I want to say, but I just can't right now because I can't get through it. Until we meet again, my brother. Hashtag Mamba for life. Hashtag Gigi for life. Obviously, LeBron is heartbroken about this, and we were talking about it, man. This is a part of LeBron's legacy, playing for Laker Nation. Obviously, there's a whole lot higher expectations for me, at least, viewing LeBron and this Laker team. I said to you, does it ruin his legacy if they don't win the finals this year? For me, I think if this tragedy happened last year, there would be no pressure on the Laker organization, the Laker fans, and the Laker players as, as a whole to win an NBA championship just because last year they were not built to and they didn't have the pieces to make that happen. But because of this year and them having the pieces in place to definitely be able to compete for an NBA championship, I think all the pressure is put on their on their shoulders. And what better way not to remember Kobe Bryant and keep his legacy going by winning the championship this year so yeah, I think for him, his legacy will be a little tainted and a little hurt and a little shadow just because if, you know, we were talking before this happened that they could definitely win the championship. And now if they don't, I think it's his legacy is hurt just a tad. But I hate to talk about, you know, people's legacy and, you know, basing and comparing players in a moment of, of a situation like this. But yes, I, to answer your question, I do believe they should definitely make it to the finals this year. And if they make it, they better win it. Right. Totally agree. And in the aftermath of Kobe Bryant's tragic death, I mean, obviously, we know that teams around the league paid tribute to the basketball legend by taking eight seconds in a 24 second violation to start games. But now we see that some players have decided to take a step further by changing their individual numbers from 8 or 24 to different numbers. We look at Quinn Cook for the Lakers, changes his number 2 in honor of Gianna Bryant to 28. We see Spencer Dinwiddie for the Brooklyn Nets change his number from number 8 to 26. We see a guy like Terrence Ross from the Orlando Magic changes his number from 8 to 31. Right. And I think it's really cool, especially for like Quinn Cook and Spencer Dinwiddie. And Cook's situation, you know, giving up his number 2 from Gianna to change it to 28. So it was just really heart touching and heartfelt for players to look forward and, you know, remembering him. And I think a lot of teams should take into account of retiring the number 24. And I think because of the tragic event, I think it's only necessary for teams to, you know, kind of fall in line with the Mavericks and retire 24 from ever being worn again. Right. You see some players still have their 8 and 24 number, but I think they're doing that just to honor Kobe's name. But other guys like this, total respect, totally agree with this move, and I totally agree that all these teams should just retire the number 24 or you know, change the NBA logo to Kobe. I know a lot of people have been talking about that. How cool would that be? Or, you know, anything else. He's obviously going to get streets in LA on after his name, and he's going to get statues in front of the Staples Center. But something else like that, I feel like, should happen. But moving forward, 
We're going to step into the Lakers and the Blazers game. This is our game of the week. Before I get into this game, we're going to talk about how Carmelo didn't show up even to L.A. Thursday morning, he woke up, made a decision. I'm not even going to go. The reason being, Kobe texted Carmelo, talked to him. He said, I'll see you in L.A. on Friday next week. Ah, I can't even imagine. And so Carmelo, total respect. A lot of guys cope differently. I know people say, well, that's what Kobe wanted. That's what Kobe wanted. It's tough for different people. Total respect to Melo. Chill and just, you know, kind of cope with the way you cope with things. But that being said, we see this game. It's such an emotional game. It had been five days since the Lakers legend Kobe Bryant, his daughter, and the seven other people had the tragic event. And four hours leading up to the game, the Staples Center seats were saved for nearly 19,000 Laker t-shirts that were draped over each chair. Half of the arena with the number 24, the other half with number 8. Bryant's numbers were hung high, both 8-24 and 24 in the Raptors, and the scoreboard and shot clocks were at 24.2 leading up to the game. The space outside the arena was crowded. There was a big LED screen that read, Rest in peace, Kobe and Gianna Bryant, along with the names of the seven others who died in the crash. Right. It was just a good day. If you had the chance to watch any of it and leading up to the game, it was just really touching, and it was just a... One of those times that you'll remember, you know, what you were doing and how you were reacting and who you were with. But inside the arena before the game, we had two court-sized seats that were left open for Kobe Bryant's number 24 and Gianna number two that were right across the, the Lakers bench in which that was the seat that they were sitting in on December 20th when the Lakers hosted the Dallas Mavericks. And Bryant was sitting there, you know, trash-talking Luka in Slovenian. Um, along with the jerseys, team officials placed a bouquet of roses in each seat, and then eventually the arena filled with the players warming up, the media, and the team officials, you know, just took that moment in when they started seeing each other and, you know, just started living in the moment and exchanging hugs and, and stories and stuff like that as Kobe Bryant was remembered on that day. And it was even an even better tribute by the Lakers organization. Usher came in and sang Amazing Grace. We saw Quinn Cook in tears. Even Anthony Davis that, you know, wasn't real close to Bryant per se as LeBron James, but he was also tearing up. And then the Lakers held um, a moment of silence of 24.2 seconds um, before the tip-off. And it was just touching to see such a well-done tribute. And the best thing for me was LeBron James talking to Laker Nation from the heart he read off the names of the people that were killed in the crash. And then he just, you know, basically just said, fuck it, and spoke from the heart and really addressed everything that he could at that moment of time to the Laker Nation. And that was really cool. One of the things that I took from it is something that he said. I'm just going to read it. The fact that I'm here now means so much more to me. I want to continue along with my teammates to continue his legacy, Kobe Bryant's legacy, not only for this year, but for as long as we can play the game of basketball that we love, because that's what Kobe Bryant would want. And from there, it was more of lighter moods and it was more just like a celebration. Right. And LeBron is such a, an amazing public speaker. And I was asking, I was like, was that script? Because it was so well done by LeBron and with so much pressure, you know, him kind of almost taking the footsteps from Kobe Bryant and 
talking to Laker Nation after being there for only a year. It just wasn't. You said it wasn't scripted. You know, obviously he probably just had that piece of paper with those names and said, you know what, I'm, I got maybe some bullet points on here, but I'm not reading it. That wouldn't do Laker Nation justice. So that was the coolest thing that I also saw too. And for the people that don't like LeBron, get over yourself because this guy is an up and coming legend as well with Kobe and Michael. And he's such a good dude off the court like Kobe was. You know, you got to respect greatness when you see it. And then we actually go into the game. This was the crazy thing. I thought the Lakers were going to smack the Blazers or it was going to be a close game. We were talking about this. Um, you even had some money on the Blazers, which I do not understand. That is completely disrespectful, but we'll get into that in a second. But uh, Damian Lillard just goes off. I mean, he's from L.A. I mean, the hometown kid scores 48 points, 10 assists, 9 rebounds. Whiteside, you know, scores 30 points, 13 rebounds. AD gets it done, 37-15. Braun helped out, 22-10. Kuzma double-double. All this shit doesn't matter. It's a game. We just had to remember that this night was for Kobe. Right. Like you said, it wasn't. It was just about remembering him, and it wasn't about the winning or the losing. And I understand it would have been great if the Lakers could have won, but I also understand them. You know, they had a tough week and dealing with all their emotions and stuff like that. And that's pretty much why I put my money on the Blazers, just because not only was the money line good, because it made me a lot of money, but at the same time, it was just, you know, you got to take into account the Lakers are still going through it. And they're probably, you know, still going to deal with this tragic event for at least another, you know, month or so until things start to quiet down and not all the focus is on Kobe Bryant. Right. I mean, Dame Dollar went off. I think I think we should name our player of the week. Damian Lillard definitely deserves our, our player of the week vote. So listen to this. In the last five games, right, my man has scored 47 points, 50 points, 36 points, 48 points, and 51 points. You might ask, what has he been averaging over the last five games? That's Dame time. I have no idea. I, I'm not good at math. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you asked the question because I'll, I'll answer it for you. You asked the question and you answered. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you agreed that you would like to know because I'm about to tell you. <laughs> that is 47 points per game, right? That's just remarkable to begin with, averaging 47 points a season, and that would be great, right? I understand it's only five games, but he's doing this against good teams. We see him play Dallas. We see him play the Pacers. We see him play the Rockets, which are contenders. The Lakers are contenders. Right. And the Jazz are hot right now, right? Yep. And they went 4-1, and one, so it's not like they're losing games while he's doing this either. So I hear you. I he definitely you. gets my vote. And it's not just his scoring ability either. He's also winning the games. Like I said, they went 4-1. and one. But he's also getting his teammates involved. Average of 11 assists per game over that five-game span. He's definitely just putting his team in position to win. And as we see, they need that right now to make that playoff push and get into the playoff picture as they're a game and a half behind the Grizzlies at the ninth seed. I will say he is an all-star. He just got announced an all-star, but it is surprising to me. He's the one player who I'm surprised about that didn't make the reserves. Um, but we're going to go into the all-stars right here. I see this list and... Someone got the biggest snub of all time. I'm not letting you live this one down because I know earlier this year on like, I think it was episode three or four of the season, you said for sure by the play that he's putting together and the numbers he's putting up, Devin Booker. 
You said he was going to be an all-star, and I sat there and told you there's no way. And the biggest thing I said was his team is trash, and it's easy to put up big numbers against teams when you're the only true scorer on your team. But at the end of the day, your team is trash. You look at Trey Young, second worst team in the league, makes reserve, doesn't make any sense. Dude was the biggest snub. And not only this guy, but you got guys like Paul George, you got Bradley Beal, Jalen Brown, Zach Levine, Carl Anthony Towns, and you got a lot of first timers. Bam out of bio. I guarantee you no one really knows that name before this year. Rudy Gobert, Donovan Mitchell, Brandon Ingram, Sabonis. I mean, Sabonis is kind of an iffy name too. Jason Tatum. You got Booker, bro, and he gets better year after year in his growth. He's 27 points this year, 8th in the league, 6 assists, and 60% from the field. Only players that have done that in one season is LeBron, Larry Bird, Jordan, Curry, Harden, and Damian Lillard. Doesn't make any sense to me. And a lot of people are saying, well, he's not on a good team. That's what I just said. Trey Young is on the second worst. What is he doing? He just shoots a bunch of shots because he's the only player on that team who can play professional basketball. (laughs) He's ridiculous. I think I I will agree to an extent, and I will make a point here to say, I think the only reason that he didn't make the all-star bid this year is because he's in the Western Conference. If he was in the Eastern Conference, I think hands down, no doubtly, he would get, you know, a vote over, say, a Kyle Lowry, maybe over like Chris Middleton. But because he's in the West and his team is trash, it's a hard vote to put somebody like that in. I mean, who are you going to take off the West right now? You're going to take off a Chris Paul, maybe. He's a veteran and leading his team into the playoffs right now. Maybe a Russell Westbrook because his numbers are a little bit down from last year. And so I think if he was in the East, he would definitely get the vote. Take Pascal Siakam out, dude. Like, if, if someone's going to be hurt like that, come on. I agree. but at this Don't they put in – didn't they do that for Vic last year or two years ago? They brought someone else on. Like, is that going to happen this year where they bring on another player that hasn't been announced? It depends. Once the Pascal Siakam has made the decision that he is not going to be able to play during the All-Star break, they will bring in the next voted player. I bet Booker makes it, bro. Put 20 on it. Put 20 on it right now? Yeah. Uh, you already owe me 20. <laughs> I think Carl Anthony Towns will put him over. I, I'll put 20 on it to, to make it even. How about that? All right. All right. <laughs> By the way, I a couple weeks ago, I had said that Lamar Jackson was easily going to win the MVP after the Titans beat him. And Liam said Russell Wilson put 100 on it. I'm like, I'm not going to put 100 on it. I don't even have $100. I don't even have $20. But I'll put 20 because I know Lamar Jackson. Anyways, still waiting on that Venmo. But let's stay into this all-star real quick. Every year, you know, it gets less and less exciting. But the cool thing about this is the all-star weekend this year will honor Kobe Bryant and Gianna Bryant by having Team LeBron wear jersey numbers 2 and Team Giannis wear jersey numbers 24. And to make it a little bit more competitive, they're going to tally up the scores from the first three quarters total. In the beginning of the fourth quarter, whoever has the highest points, they're going to add 24, and both teams are going to play till that number. Yeah, so basically, whoever's winning after three quarters, whatever their score is, so if their score is 100, they're going to play to 124, and whoever gets 124 first will win the game. Right. Yeah, it makes the game a little bit more exciting. Sorry, Bald Mamba Caruso and Mr. Taco Fall with a little hot sauce on it. Uh, We'll see you guys there, but no, you cannot participate. Liam, forget all this stuff. Let's talk about the opposite of All-Stars. Let's talk about the infamous scrubs. (laughs) 
<laughs> We're going to lighten up the episode a little bit, guys. Jay Crowder from the Memphis Grizzlies versus Marcus Morris, Alfred Payton, and the New York Knicks. Earlier this week on NBA Wednesday, we see that the Grizzlies are in New York. They're up 124 to 106, like 50 seconds left in the game. Jay Crowder steals an inbound pass. He walks to the three-point line and says, you know what? Let me get my stat line up, coach. I may get traded here soon. Right after he shoots the three, Knicks guard Alfred Payton comes up and just swings his arm at his neck. Jay Crowder goes flying into the seats. There's beers getting spilled all over his head, and he even takes one and chugs it right after he's about to swing back. (laughs) Meanwhile, the ref gets between the two. Marcus Morris for the Knicks comes out of nowhere, tries to instigate the fight. And you see after the game, Marcus Morris is getting interviewed in the locker room, and he said, you know what? That guy is super unprofessional. That's just his game. He has a lot of female tendencies when he's on the court. Let's take a listen. A lot of female tendencies on the court, flopping and throwing his head back the entire game. And like I said, man, it's a man's game, and you just get tired of it, man. And then, obviously, at the end, I was very unprofessional. They went in the game. It's a good team, and, you know, he does stuff like that, man. When you say unprofessional, are you referring to the steal at that point? Is it kind of code that you don't go for those plays late like that? No, the steal was cool. You got the steal. It is what it is. But when you step back and shoot a three, you know what I'm saying, and try to, you know, low-key like rub it in that they're winning, you know, it's just unprofessional, man. It's soft. His game is soft. He's soft. It's just, you know, just how he carried it, man. You know, it's just very woman-like. So we see a lot of controversy here, who right about his statements. You know, was it the right thing to say? Basketball being a man's game and female tendencies. What does that mean to you? It wasn't. It obviously wasn't the PC thing to say. What are you taking from this? Backtrack a little bit just to the play itself. I think you know, as a professional athlete, you play till the whistle is done. Even though, even though you're up, you know, thirty points or whatever it is, it's like eighteen at the time. I, I don't have a problem with the play itself. Obviously, the the controversy is Marcus Morris conducted himself and what he said after, you know, female tendencies and, you know, it's a man's game and whatnot. But knowing Marcus Morris and he's just kind of a rough and tough guy, I don't think he meant it in the way it came out. I think he was trying to censor himself to the interviewer and couldn't say exactly what he wanted to say. And it came out in those words that were put together. Obviously, the words that were put together and how he said it was very unprofessional and not, you know, shouldn't have shouldn't have said it the way he did. But I think he was trying to throw in, you know, maybe a bitch word instead of female tendencies, just being soft and he plays like a bitch or something along those lines. And he just couldn't say that directly to the interviewer. But it is what it is sometimes, you know. Right. He, can't, he actually came out with a statement apologizing for the use of female tendencies, quote unquote. But I thought it was funny because Jay Crowder just fired back on Twitter and said, you know what? That is what 5 and 17 looks like. So I'm cool over here. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, Jay Crowder, man, you know, he's he's a funny dude. And Marcus Morris, I mean, you know, the twins, I'm not a huge fan of them. They're babies on the court when I look at it. But I thought that was funny. Besides that, man, I think we got something else to talk to. One last thing to talk about here, Hoop. What we got? Yeah, I think we got to do our Pacer segment for sure. Pacer Nation, we went 2-2 uh, two and two last week. We beat the Warriors. Of course, we should uh, take care of teams like that, especially being undermanned like they are. We beat them 129 to 118. We saw a big, big performance from TJ Warren. 
stepping up and taking over the scoring load. He scored 33 points and had five rebounds. Um, we see Sabonis adding to his double-double total for this year and you know solidifying his all-star bid. Um, scoring 16 points and 10 rebounds and you know just side note on this I want to recognize Sabonis because he has been putting in a lot of work this year and his numbers definitely reflect why he got an all-star bid this year so very proud of him and and everything that he's done this year and he definitely is deserving of getting that all-star bid we also play the Red Hot Blazers this this last week. End up losing that one by 10 points, 139 to 129. Yeah, close game, though. It was a close game down the stretch. But, you know, all in all, it's hard to stop somebody that's on a tear like Damian Lillard. Scored 50 points and added 13 assists. It was just hard to beat a team that's red hot like the Blazers are. Playing a team like that is tough, like you said. But I just feel like we're missing one piece, Hoop. And where's Superman when you need him? Dun 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 That's Star Wars. You know that, right? I'm pretty sure that's Star Wars. Is it? Yeah, it's Star Wars. Ah, got it. All right, hold up. All right, well, you know what I'm saying. All right, come on. Victor, Mr. Olo. Wait, who said Ono? Olo Depot, baby. Victor Oladipo coming back, baby, makes his debut against the Bulls. You were right. He did not start. You were right. I thought he was going to start. Yeah, I'm not going to let we you live him. that one down either. He did. Yeah, I know. He did. I know. You know, he, this coaching staff and medical staff, you know, they're going to gonna kind of ease him back in there. He gets his minutes restrictions, and it was cool to see him about to go into the game. Kind of takes a couple deep breaths. You know, probably does a little prayer, and, and he's like, you know what? Let's get back to it. And what do we see? First time he gets the ball, shoots it. He said he just wanted to get the nerves out real quick. It's okay, he missed. You know, he probably went like one for six from threes or 0 for six or whatever it was. But then down the stretch, we're down three with six seconds left. We got an inbound play at half court. The plays for Bragi, right? For Malcolm Bragi. Right, right. Olo gets the ball. He's saying, oh, no, my Pacers, we do this all the time. We don't know how to run basketball plays. The play breaks out. Olo's like 40 feet deep from three, bro. Splash me, coach. And in the wise words of Hoopstar. I mean, he just looked at the finish and said, fuck it, I'll pull. <laughs> <laughs> fuck it, I'll pull. So that was so, so cool and exciting to see. Olo takes it to OT. And unfortunately, he didn't play OT. But fortunately, our team is pretty good without him. So we ended up taking the dub over the Bulls. Great, great game. For Oladipo to be back, the team was super excited to have him back and to especially get that win for him. I know he just said before the game started, hey guys, I appreciate all you. And I know he said that after the game as well. Right. Um, he only finishes with nine points and four assists. He only played 20 minutes though. So he was just, you know, getting his, his legs under him. He'd only play the last six to seven minutes of each quarter. Um, just to kind of get his legs underneath him, like I said. So, you know, he is under a minute restriction all the way up through the All-Star game, and he won't play any back-to-back games. So, like I was saying, the medical staff and this coaching staff are really going to just ease him into getting back to, you know, full strength. And I'm excited to see him there, but expectations right now, at least through All-Star break, aren't totally high. He's just trying to get the chemistry going again. But after All-Star break, I think they're going to kind of, you know, let the reins go and let him do what he does. Yep. And he has an emotional night after he gets, you know, interviewed right on the court after the game. The announcer says, man, 
how'd you do it? What made you want to shoot that last shot? And he didn't answer for like five seconds. He lifts his face up and he's just crying. And, you know, he said, it's Mamba mentality. I was going to shoot that no matter what. That's Mamba mentality. That's what I do. So it was just cool to see. And even in the press conference after the game, before any questions were asked, he kind of just narrated himself. He said, you know what? I know I came in, hadn't played in a year, but guess what? We back, baby, and we lit. So I'm sorry. I got a train. Guys, uh, side note here. Uh, I, I live right under a train. So uh, like literally when we record these episodes, I always have to pause like 10 minutes. I'm just going to say screw it from now on. I got a train. I got a train. Just bear with me here. <laughs> Anyways, Olo's like, you know, I got confidence. No one else gets this injury uh, as a 25-year-old hoop. I'm, I'm ready, baby. It's Ola Ono time, baby. Top two in the East. Here we go. I know. It was just, it was kind of refreshing almost to see the, the amount of confidence that he had taking questions because at a point he just, he just stopped answering questions and just started talking because he kind of, you know, almost had that chip on his shoulder of like, I know what you're about to ask me and like you're saying, just the confidence level to see from him that we have not seen before is just almost refreshing and something that we will need down the stretch. And like I said, we we will definitely need him to make a deep playoff push this year. But we don't we don't need to you know force it. And I think this this coaching staff and and this team will take Victor as he is all the way up to making the playoffs. And then we have uh, the most embarrassing game I would say this year so far. It was just not good at all. Play the New York Knicks. Some nights you just don't show up and don't come ready to play. And, you know, besides our all-star Sabonis, nobody else really came to play tonight. And we lose to the Knicks 92-85. to So looking forward to next week. We do have some good tests. We got the Mavericks Monday night. We have the Raptors twice this week. Play them once at home and once on the road in Toronto. And then we uh, come back and we play the the Zion-led Pelicans that are looking kind of hot right now. With that, I think episode 12 is a wrap. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Man to Man Podcast. And go over on Twitter and follow us as well, at man to man Pod. And please do us a big favor and go over to Apple Podcasts or Spotify and rate us five stars. And we will catch you next week, guys. Thank you. Patient Nation, baby. Ha <laughs> ha!